This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. The Holy Gospel according to Luke 3, Luke 3, 1 to 6. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Anna and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zebedee, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of our God. For the word of God of scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thank you. Well, that was a lot of names and details at the start of our reading there. So-and-so, ruler of such-and-such, and under the reign of so-and-so, and, and on and on. And by naming the year and province of each ruler, by going through the litany of names, Luke is saying to us that these things happen in a particular time and place in history. In the invitation to us, in the month of December, in the year of 2021, in the second year of the pandemic of COVID, the call to us is to echo the call of John the Baptist and the prophets of old, to turn from violence and exploitation toward justice and peace. And on this second Sunday in Advent, we've already lit the candle peace. Well, as most of you know, I have four kids, and every weekday they go off to school. The oldest two uh, can now drive themselves, blessedly, and the younger two I drop off. And I remember uh, back when they were younger, uh, when we had first moved to Washington, D.C., and we were just getting them enrolled in our local school, and Josephine was just old enough for pre-K. And it was December, because we had moved in late November, and we were getting them all set to go to school, and they were going to go to school on a Monday, and I remember the Friday before, as we all watched the news in horror, as a young man broke into a school in Newtown, Connecticut, shot his way into the building, and as a principal, and another administrator rushed to the scene, he gunned them down. And then he went into two first-grade classrooms and opened fire. Twenty first-graders dead. Twenty young children who had no other aspirations for that day than to ride the swings at recess or maybe save a seat 
at the lunch table for a friend. 20 families devastated. And walking my kids to school that next Monday was one of the hardest things I've ever done. This past Tuesday, Rick Allen, father of high schooler Caitlin, received a text from his daughter saying, Dad, I love you. And he wrote back, I love you too. And then she wrote, there is a shooter at our school and I love you so much. You are the best dad I could have ever asked for. Thank you for everything you've done for me. Imagine receiving that text from your child. Caitlin survived, but as we all know, four of her classmates at Oxford High School did not. Next December will be 10 years since Sandy Hook. And in the following six years, there were over 180 school shootings that resulted in an injury or death. And I don't have the numbers through present time, but that was in the six years after. Every year, more than 3,000 children and teens are shot and killed in the U.S. 15,000 more are shot and injured. And an estimated 3 million children in the U.S. are exposed to shootings every year. What kind of impact is this having on our kids? Studies show that exposure to such violence leads to depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress, and not just for the ones who experience it firsthand. It impacts all our children in one way or another. One of you posted something uh, on something about something your kid wrote this past week following Tuesday's events and you wrote from my seven-year-old a story he wrote in school the title how to do a lockdown drill a lockdown drill is scary a lockdown a lockdown drill is dark the sirens ring you know it starts It is heartbreaking. These aren't the kinds of stories our kids should be writing in school. What are we doing here, friends? What are we doing? Advent comes to us in December. As the days shorten and the nights grow longer, there is less light every day. And there's more darkness. And after events like this past Tuesday unfolded, it feels like there's all the more darkness. And yet our invitation is to seek the light, to be the light, to prepare the way, to prepare the way for the birth of a child, a child who would be called the Prince of Peace. Yet how can we bring peace when we're surrounded by violence? Is peace possible in a nation that worships guns?
And you might think that that's overstating the case. But is it? No other... And I love hearing the joy in the kids upstairs. That is a delight amidst our serious topic. That is a delight. But no other nation in the world suffers from the epidemic of mass shootings, gun violence, and school shootings like we do here in the U.S. And you might say, well, we have too much violence depicted in our television shows and movies. Probably so. Too much violence depicted in video games. We have mental health issues that need to be addressed. You might say all those things, and they're all true to a degree. But there's an elephant in the room that's too often taboo to discuss. And that is the sheer number of guns. We have over 400 million guns in this country. We have more guns than people. And millions more are made every single year in this so-called land of the free. We have more guns per capita than any other country in the world, developed or not. And second place is not even close. And so we can name all these other reasons, but if you don't think the sheer number of guns is part of the problem, I don't know what to tell you. A friend said this week, a handgun has one purpose to kill a human being. Why have Christians normalized gun ownership? And I'd say we've done more than normalize it. We've idolized it. And I understand owning a gun for hunting purposes. And I even understand it for self-defense to a degree. But let's be clear, studies show that having a gun in your home makes it far more likely someone in your home will be shot, not an intruder. And certainly in this country, you have the right to own a gun. You have the right to own a lot of guns. And some of you likely own a gun. And please feel free to disagree with me this morning. Please feel free. You have that right. But what does Jesus model for us? Giving up our rights for the good of our neighbor, for the love of our neighbor. Certainly you have the right to own a gun, but what if, given the epidemic of violence in this country, given the trauma we are inflicting on our children, given the call to prepare the way for peace, what if we gave up that right? What if we led by example? What if we said, I want to be a part of the solution and I am willing to forego that right as a witness to peace, as a witness to a better way? The Apostle Paul put it this way, all things are lawful, all things are permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. You could still go hunting with a bow and arrow or a trap, do some trapping. You could borrow a gun from a friend. Maybe you could rent one. I don't know, is renting a gun a thing? 
I hope not. But if we aren't willing to lead, how can we expect others to follow? And some of you will say, well, there will always be guns and bad guys with guns. And I get that, but that just means we have more to do, right? That means we have more to do and we have to push for more. Taiwan and Indonesia have the lowest gun ownership rates in the world. In fact, just about the lowest gun ownership rates possible with zero civilian firearms per 100 people. I think it's slightly above zero, but rounded down. <clears throat> and guns are not banned in either of those countries. It is legal to own a gun in those countries. Taiwan only allows shotguns, handguns, and regular rifles with a background check and license required. In Indonesia, firearms are sold and handled by the weapons officers of the national police. Indonesian law requires a background check, no ties or connections to radical groups. There's an idea. And a completed firearm safety class on top of other necessary qualifications. Basic gun reform has been wanted by the majority of the American people for decades. It's actually a semi-popular issue, but it doesn't pass into law because of the power of the gun lobby and gun manufacturers. And so there isn't an easy answer here, but part of it might start by electing officials who aren't beholden to these special interests. It might start by electing officials who don't take one misinterpreted line in the Constitution as holy gospel. When the coronavirus pandemic struck last year, people throughout the developed world raced to the store. You remember this. It was, you were lucky if you got some toilet paper, if you got some bottled water, other necessities. People were stocking up, getting yeast for baking bread, other basic necessities. Well, here in the United States, people also raced to buy something else. Guns. Gun sales. Well, they bought more than 23 million firearms just in 2020, up 65% from 2019. And a lot of these were first-time purchases, first-time gun owners. And that surge in purchases has not slowed down this year in 2021. It's understandable. People feel defenseless. The world is scary. I get that. And we want to do something. But what if the thing we do to protect those we love is the very thing that continues the violence? It's time to model another way. We've seen children rise up in this movement against gun violence, particularly following the Parkland shootings a few years ago and the March for Our Lives movement. The kids are waiting for the adults to do what is right for the adults to stand up and speak out, to follow the lead of John the Baptist, who in a particular time and place in history was willing to stand out from the crowd, to be a lone voice crying out from the wilderness of sanity for justice and peace. 
Friends, if we want a different world than the one we are currently living in, then it has to start with us. And we have to be willing to lead the way, prepare the way for peace. Amen. May it be so. Invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. streaming on Facebook. You can also watch these messages on the Holland UCC YouTube channel. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.